Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, coming at you on Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. Today we are reviewing a highly anticipated movie over here at Within the Lines, a movie we have been circling for quite some time, even before we knew what it was about. All we knew, it was it was a Nick Cage movie with Nick Cage playing Nick Cage, the unbearable weight of massive talent time. Mm, yeah, and let me tell you, there's a lot of Nick Cage in this. There's a lot of massive talent, I would say, in this film. I would I would argue there was an unbearable weight amount. Um, look, we were hyped for this movie. We've been hyped almost like I was kind of hyped in like an ironic sense. Like I thought it was going to be like bad, but like enjoyable, like one of those, like kind of a guilty pleasure. And no, it just came out. It was actually a good movie. Had over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is now sitting at 88% with 226 reviews. And we may or may not agree with Rotten Tomatoes. I'll say that much. Also talking Moon Knight today. Yes. Moon Knight episode five, continuing on the mind fuck, um, just a lot to talk about with this episode and just some takes about Marvel itself, I think, coming from me. I know you have a, a conspiracy, not a conspiracy, a, theory. a prediction theory that you're going to throw my way. I don't know what it is. And I have a, a statement to make because this episode of Moon Knight fired me up. It sounds like it's going to be a good podcast. It's gonna 60% of the time, it works every time. John Stamos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I don't so good. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. Moon Knight episode five, Ty. Mm. The only thing I can say, what the fuck, man? Yeah. What the fuck? Stephen Grant is dead. R.I.P. My boy, Stephen. Later, Gators. Uh, <laughs> um. It continued. I mean, we kind of had our predictions heading into episode five. I, I don't think we were correct in the slightest. I mean, this still could be something that is being controlled by Amit and everything, but it did not go the direction I thought it was going to go. It went more in the psychological direction. We finally saw some um, character development from the Mark character. I was actually reading some reviews of this episode um, from various different outlets, and one blog post was complaining pretty much about they didn't like the first four episodes because there were so many unknowns about the character. And while that's okay in certain instances, they didn't like how there were so many unknowns about the main character. And I was kind of like, well, I 
feel like that is the character. Like, you know, I, I just didn't think it was a fair. I think you have to judge a series like this differently because of what they're trying to accomplish. I get it, though, if it's not enjoyable, but I don't think that necessarily makes it bad. Um, but this episode kind of, you know, quenched some of those thirsts. At least that's what that one person was writing, you know, because we finally got the backstory. We got the reason Steven was created, you know, Mark's character arc and everything about all it. the emotional trauma and um, not really any action besides Steven hitting some guys with a baseball bat. And I guess I'll just start with my statement right now, Ty, is, you know, people always talk about comic book movies being schmuck. And is schmuck the right word? Mm, slop. Slop. There we go. And while there is a little bit of sloppy toppy to it, don't get me wrong. Like Avengers. That's sloppy toppy is a, a blowjob. I, I know. <laughs> Avengers Infinity War probably isn't actually the greatest movie of all time, but we always say it is. Wrong. Someone tweeted like two days ago, <laughs> and it was just a clip of the ending saying how good the fucking ending was. I was one of the best ever. And I was like, I entirely agree. <laughs> um, but, you know, don't get me wrong. There is a blockbuster element. It's not as artsy as an art movie, and it's not maybe as moving or, you know, in some instances as, you know, some of these A24 movies, whatever the case may be. They're not best picture winners. But Marvel is showing that when they want to roll their sleeves up and tell a compelling story-driven, you know, character-driven story and everything, that they can do just that. Mm. Like, look at everything Marvel has done with their series thus far. They've had, okay, they've had some boring ones. They've had Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they've had Hawkeye. I don't want to call them boring, but they're kind of run of the mill, and they were the most kind of, like, movie-esque, but kind of grounded in reality. But, like, WandaVision, Loki, and now this, like, they're telling compelling stories, and, you know, it just, it just proves that they can, you know, they can tell stories. And Kevin Feige and company, they know what they're doing. The Russo bros, they just freaking produced everything everywhere all at once. One of my favorite movies of all time. They know what they're doing. Yeah. No, so I, stop hating. I definitely agree, and and I think it goes to show my my dad does not like this series because there isn't enough action, and like when you really sit back and look at it, there's been like three action scenes maybe, and I'm fine with it. it it's just been a fantastic like fucking character development story, and it's been great, and I've enjoyed every second of it. It's not the typical comic book movie where there's a formula and a big fight scene, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure we're gonna get plenty of fucking Moon Knight fighting people in the next episode somehow, but outside of that, this whole series has been just really really good character development and kind of like a psychological thriller sort of kind of not exactly but it's just been very very fun to watch this side of marvel now the episode itself i don't know what your theory is do you want to start with that before i ask you some questions no let's let's just talk about the episode and we'll get to it so you know obviously we learn about mark we learned that the creation of steven is pretty much by trauma from his mother you know his brother died because they went in a cave drowned his mother blamed him a little bit different from the comics. Um, I was researching this, the comics, his dad is the one who dies and then he gets taken under like a, a former, I don't either a Nazi commander or someone who fought against oh, the Nazis. Shit. One of the, someone do with Nazis, you know, Marvel yeah. back in the day, they yeah. fucking had to lots of Nazi the Nazis. Stuff. And that guy was kind of the one who abused him. And that's where a lot of the trauma came from. So they tweaked it a little bit, but like his dad's death was the, the thing that he was trying to run from and like why he wanted to create other personalities, whatever it is. So similar, but a little bit different. Um, and it, it, like we said, it's just kind of, a, a Steven's finding out who he is and so are we. Yeah. And then at the end, only for Steven to die. I have a feeling that's permanent. I, I do. I really do. I, I, I think I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's still the other third personality that they've yet to introduce. That was gonna be my next question, but continue. I, I have a feeling that personality is going to replace Steven as the, you know, having two people type thing. It's going to be Jake and Mark. Mm-hmm. and for the foreseeable future um 
But no, yeah, I like that a lot. I, I fucking called that his mom was dead. I fucking called it in like episode one. You did. So I'm proud of myself for that. <laughs> um, but it was really sad. It was like a lot of really sad, like emotional moments with him as a kid just crying and his abusive drunk mom who blamed him for killing his brother. Like that, that makes sense. Yeah. I'd probably be fucking crazy too. Let's not use the word crazy, Ty. I'd go crazy. So my question was going to be is, are we going to get I, I are we going to get this Jake Crawley? Lockley. Lockley. Are we going to get this Jake Lolly Lockley character? They've teased it multiple times. Or is this going to be another MCU series red herring? Because we've gotten quite a few of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think so and and Oscar Isaac's gone on an interview and said that you're it's going to be revealed who's in that uh, I think it's sarcophagus is the name of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. He said it's going to be revealed. They've Marvel actors have lied consistently about reveals and shit, though. Yeah, or it could be just not another character. Like, it, I don't know. It could be something completely different. Who knows? It could be, and I think a lot of it kind of depends on what direction they go next episode. There's only one more episode. Yeah, so it's like, how do you? Because I'll tell you what, Jay, I sat through the entire credits because I was like, there's got to be too. a post-credit scene. Me like, too. this is the one where they set up the finale. Yeah. And there's just nothing, and I have no idea what's going to happen next week. Well, we're in a similar instance, and this is what I'm a little bit worried about, honestly, because this, this series, I think it's been stellar, even if some people have had some complaints, like your father, like the random blog post I read. Um, you know, my one complaint is that we won't get a uh, – it doesn't have to be a, a firm conclusion, but we won't get something that's satisfying in the end. And like WandaVision kind of suffered from that a little bit. Like For sure. the, the conclusion wasn't as satisfying. And I remember us having these conversations. There's only one more episode left. How the fuck are they going to like kind of tie all these loose ends together? And like some of it was lazy. Some of it was just Ralph Boner. Yeah. Now, obviously, I don't think we're going to get a Boner <laughs> joke in this. I don't. Dude, what if they pulled another Ralph Boner joke? They open the esophagus and it's just Ralph Boner in there so pissed <laughs> they would never do that but that's how they lose i think that <laughs> might be the breaking point um so I, that's the one concern i'm not saying it's going to happen i am just slightly concerned that being said they've done great so far so hopefully you know my concerns don't even matter but there's a lot to do in 45 minutes you have to wrap up this whole story but you also kind of want to get the character to a a you know a satisfying place for the 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 viewer, not only for the series as a whole, but moving forward, because you're going to keep wanting to use his character, I would think. Yeah. And, and I think as a whole, the series, the finales have been kind of the weak point. I think the best one was Loki, and that was just like a monologue from a new character the entire time. That was when I'm they introduced the, the Loki finale. Um, that was when they introduced fucking oh, what's his name? King. King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just those two. And then it was like the multiverse split open and then it had a cliffhanger. Yeah. Kind of ending. And like that, that worked well. And that was probably the best one. But WandaVision was weak. Falcon, the Winter Soldier, kind of weak. Um, what are the other shows? Hawkeye. Hawkeye, kind of weak. There's another one, isn't there? What if? That one doesn't count. No, it was just those four. WandaVision, Falcon, Hawkeye, Loki. Okay. They were weak. Could have been better. <laughs> yeah. Um, But my my... So my concern, not my concern, I guess my question for how this is going to end is, what do you think's up with the bad guy being the doctor and like that astral plane and everything only happening when he's drugged? That part I don't make, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I, I'm still very confused on it. Does this lead into your theory? 
kind of, maybe. I don't know if it'll relate, but... Well, give it to me. Give, well, okay, so with the whole Doctor thing is, what if the Marvel just sends a complete left turn? Because, like, I think this would actually be kind of sick because I kind of like when they throw you off because, like, they're introducing this therapy scene, like, you know, in the psyche ward, but, like, it's very much done in a way where it's like, hey, like... The viewers like, oh, they want me to think this is the real reality, but I know it's not. I'm smarter than Marvel. Where almost they could do like a double double uh, plot twist, where it's like, no, this actually is the reality. Like one of those kind of deals, and like the viewers like, oh shit, like you know, that, that's almost the plot twist. Kind of like we weren't fucking around. Like the plot twist is there isn't a plot twist. Pretty much, yeah. Like what if the series ends and this he really is someone who dealt with multiple identity disorder and you know, whatever this Created happens, this he's in the psyche world. ward. And then the moon Knight character, like the actual powers, you could build that up in a future installment or in this episode or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he got, I, I got to do research here, but I don't know if the moon Knight in the comics, like the powers itself came from Conchu, but they could easily make all of that just in his head. And then, but since it's in his head, he wants to make moon, right? Like moon Knight a real thing. I don't know. I don't fucking know. It's very confusing. Because it was very much like a, this is the quote unquote real world. And whenever they jumped back to that therapy scene, mm-hmm. like I'm assuming time had passed because like one time he has a black eye, the next time he has like a broken nose, the next time he looks normal. So like he's, his injuries have healed and for however long they're in the psych ward and they were very clear to state like, Hey, we're in Chicago. Like this is an actual place. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. My question and theory is in episode one. Do you have a feeling you're reading you're not listening? And this I'm blew listening my in episode mind. one. In episode one. <laughs> we see Steven at the museum, and there's a little girl who comes up to him and is asking him stuff, and he's answering her questions. Yep. And the little girl, you know, he's explaining Egyptian uh, you know, afterlife Ideology. and everything. Mm-hmm. And the little girl says, and did, it, and did it suck for you getting rejected from the field of reeds? Mm-hmm. In episode one. Yeah. Steven responds, that doesn't make any sense because I'm not dead, am I? Ooh. What? Has been dead this whole time? I, I don't fucking know. That was in episode one at the very beginning, though. And now, here we are five episodes later, and he got rejected from the Field of Reeds. Hmm. Interesting. So I have no fucking clue if it's like a time travel thing where, like, his, his mind, like, he's in the psych ward or whatever. He gets out of the psych ward, and he continues to live his life, and then, like, the events of Moon Knight happen again, and it was, like, a vision-type thing of the future of what could happen. Like, an alternate reality-type thing. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be anything like alternate reality, but... Parallel, not, re- like, parallel timeline, like a... Multiverse? This Just is <laughs> You know, this is what could have played out. Now you have that knowledge for this to play out. Or has he been dead the whole time? I don't fucking know. Or was me being confused thinking episode one and two was before episode three and four? Was I actually ahead of the curve and episode one and two yeah. was ahead of three yeah, and four? There's and no else. reason for you to remotely <laughs> think that, but were you right? <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. That's just that's a wild thing to say, and it was very weird and off-putting in the first episode, and I completely forgot about it until I saw this tweet. And what are the theories by people? Is this part of your theory? This... Yeah, like oh, okay. Going with this it wasn't that, like a strong theory; it was more speculative. But. Yeah, but it was just more like bringing up this this point that, like, in episode one, it's addressed that he was rejected from the field of reeds, which didn't occur until episode five, and we don't know what the fuck's going on. 
Hmm. What do people on Twitter say? I don't know. Oh. I, I don't. She. Someone said, "How did he know? Maybe it was the hippo, since she was the goddess of children." Oh shit! Not a bad idea. Hmm. Hippo going back in time to warn <laughs> Mark about it. Steven, yeah, Steven about it. I don't know. So in the comics, Conchu does seem like he plays a big role. So I don't know what the fuck they're gonna do. So maybe. Uh, maybe the psych ward isn't like the reality. I don't know. This is fucking. Again, there's a lot to answer in the final episode. Oh yeah, there, I mean, there's a bunch, and it's. Yeah, are they going to stop the issue of him releasing Amit? Well, did yeah, that even? Did or is that even real? Did that even fucking happen? Mm-hmm. Is Steven really dead? I think that part's true. I think, I think Steven's dead, but I maybe maybe not though. The Steven because Mister Knight persona. The Mr. Knight persona and everything is a huge part in the comics. Yeah. And he would have two appearances and then they kill off that version of the character. I don't know. They fucking did Professor Hulk. So. They, they did do. They did so that. just reading here on Wikipedia, which can give us an answer. Maybe during a job in Sudan, Spectre is appalled. Oh, no. This is just about he was being left for dead. And then Conchu. Spectre dies, then suddenly revives, fully healed. He claims Conchu wants him to be the Moon's Knight. Okay, so this is just the origin story. I don't know. Maybe somehow that girl releases Conchu again, and he brings fucking Mark back to life. And he actually is dead. And this whole psychiatric ward is something that Amit's doing or whatever from the fucking Egyptian realm. I don't know. And that's that would probably be the least cool conclusion, because I feel like it's like the least trippy. You've kind of set up like this trippy story and like what's real what's not real and the lamest thing would be conchu just breaking free and being like okay he's alive again because they did say in this episode like tell what's her name i don't remember the girl's name like tell her you know to get conchu blah 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 whatever they said so if jake is in the sarcophagus on the boat does episode five open with jake not episode six episode six open with jake like jumping out of that he's the one who was pulled back from conchu because he is not in the sands or in the field of reeds yet through him, they bring back the other characters. Maybe. I don't know. I Yeah, because that's another thing. Is What's his name? Is literally in the field of reeds. Yeah, he's already moved on. He's big gone. He's dead dead. Just as much as Steven's stuck in the sands, I would argue Mark's stuck in the field of reeds. Wow. I don't fucking know, Ty. I, it, just, it blows my fucking mind. I'm excited. I'm very excited for episode six i'll say that much i can't wait i can't wait to do it and i'm still curious how they're going to incorporate uh blade post credit scene because he's got to show up again right moon knight he's gonna be in blade see i don't know the connection between moon knight and blade so i i don't know if there is one but it just <laughs> seems like that's what he would go to next that just seems like out of all the upcoming projects feels yeah. like that one fair fair enough uh do you want to talk about the unbearable way to massive talent tie <sighs> Oh fuck me! I got rid of the, I got rid of the synopsis. <clears throat> I did read it last week. But you're reading it again. Come on. Unfulfilled and facing fi- facing financial ruin, actor Nick Cage accepts a one million dollar offer to attend a wealthy fan's birthday party. Things take a wild, wildly unexpected turn when a CIA operative recruits Cage for an unusual mission. Taking on the role of a lifetime, he soon finds himself channeling his most iconic and beloved characters to save himself and his loved ones. Nicholas Cage is Nick Cage. Fuck yeah. That's I like that. It was not Nick Cage is Nick Cage, not Nicholas Cage is Nicholas Cage. It's Nicholas Cage is Nick Cage. Yeah. 
These are different people. Um, look, man, like, like I said at the, at the opening, we were excited for this movie. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Nick Cage fan. Like I, I've been looking through his uh, cinematography or his um, whatever that word is, filmography, and I haven't seen that many Nick Cage movies. Which ones have you seen? National Treasure, obviously. Yeah. Ghost Rider, okay. obviously. Yep. Damn, the second Ghost Rider came out in 2011. I would have guessed like 2006. That movie isn't. We just don't accept that as being a real thing. Both National Treasures and both Ghost Riders, by the way. Okay. Um. You haven't seen Con Air, Face Off, no. The Rock. Okay. No. I I've, think I've those only are the, out of those I've only seen Face Off. I think those are the only four I've seen, minus like Spider Man, Into the Spider Verse, where he plays Spider Man Noir. Gone in sixty seconds. Nope. Wonderful. Moonstruck. Film. Nope. Wonderful film. I I not Moonstruck Gone in sixty seconds. I was repeating myself. I think that my my um my message to myself after this film is I need to see more Nicholas Cage, Nicolas Cage movies because I I enjoyed this film I very much did fantastic he's great and kick ass have you have you seen the Sorcerer's Apprentice Disney movie no um, Drive Angry feel like I've seen that don't remember it Frozen never even the seen Crudes. Crudes. Nope. you never seen the, that feels like something you would have watched with Gavin he liked it I never watched it wow he has done a lot of lot of fucking movies yeah so i need to watch more nick cage so this movie's interesting because you have nick cage playing nick cage but it's like a fictionalized version of nick cage um but is it really how much of reality was based in this he's kind of struggling not getting big roles anymore he wants to make kind of artsy stuff but the old nick cage inside of him wants him to be a star maybe some parental issues this could have been drawn from actual real life nick cage that or he could just be the best dad ever and all this is bullshit i'm i I don't know. It's very meta, the way they approach the entire thing. Yes. So they, obviously, spoilers, as always, but he goes to Spain. He meets Pedro Pascal's character, Javi. He, you know, huge Nick Cage super fan. They're pretty much writing a movie together. Well, Nick Cage is working for the CIA because they think Javi is holding this girl hostage. It's actually Javi's cousin. Plot twist, spoiler. But it's very meta in the way, not only it talks about Nick Cage and the commentary on Nick Cage himself, but then... You know, you have the Javi character and the Nick Cage character, or just Nick Cage, um, working on a movie where they're pretty much writing the movie they are currently in. Yeah. Like, like they start writing the movie halfway through the movies already yeah. happened. And, you know, and then even with the kidnapping and everything and Nick Cage adding it, and they're very meta about we need, um, you know, a storyline where it gets people in the door, blah, 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 and then – they even said the 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 line like we need a trailer shot and then it cuts to him shooting the shotgun. I'm aggressively in the trailer. Hundred percent in the trailer. There's no way they make that joke if it's not no. And it, it's just very meta. And it literally the movie ends with like the ending of the movie and then it changes actors to yes. whoever it was. And I was Demi Moore. At first. I think. Yeah, Demi Moore. And I asked you like what the fuck? And then it pans out and it's them showing the premiere of Nick Cage's and Javi's movie, which is the movie we just watched. But, like, the movie we just watched is still – it was fucking – it was very meta, very funny with how they did it. Um, it's just – it's a movie unlike any movie I've seen. It's honestly. very unique. Very unique. And that's – kind of when they explained the premise of it was fantastic because, like, that's exactly what I was hoping for was just this weird off-the-wall kind of fucking oddball movie. And that's that's what we got. I can't complain. Like – 
I thought I like when I first thought of like heard about this movie, I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know if it was going to I didn't know. And this was the perfect way I think to have Nick Cage play Nick Cage but it still be a a fictionalized movie. I don't know. It was it was good. It was very good. Um I think just the way that they approached everything and told the story where it was like these two guys together and like the the theme changes throughout Mm-hmm. And like the way they're trying to tell this story changes as they're talking about changing the theme of the movie in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very like on the nose where it's like this these two guys getting along and then there's like this drama shit happening and then turns full action after they say we need an action scene like it's weird but it's a lot of fun. Well, you're talking a lot about story, Ty. Let's just jump straight into the patent pending movie ranking scale. What did you give it for plot slash story? <sighs> I'm gonna, I'm going to bump it up. I'm going to go 17. Wow, 17? I I like everything about this. I really like everything. It wow. was a 16. Bumping it up to a 17. I love the way they told the story. Again, you bring it up. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. And I appreciate that. I appreciate unique storytelling. And, like, sure, on the outskirts of it, it's like, hey, there's these two guys. There's a kidnapping. But it's not. It's them being very meta about we need to add a kidnapping. And then they add a kidnapping. And the way that breaks down and everything, it's very, very, it gets a lot of points for being unique here. The pacing's good, which helps us a lot. I gave it a 16. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fuck you. What? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, you just hit the, the head on the coffin. Like, on the surface, hit the head on the coffin. That's not the same. Nail on the head. Of the coffin. Nail, you hit the nail in the coffin? <laughs> you put the, I think that's too different. <laughs> so you hit the nail on the head or you put the nail in the coffin. You combined those two sayings. Skip the middle, man. Yeah. Um, no, like... If this movie was just like this is like the the fragility I don't know if that's how you pronounce that word of the way they did this story tie and how ridiculous of a movie it is and this makes no sense what I'm about to say but it makes all the sense in the world if this wasn't Nick Cage playing Nick Cage if this was Nick Cage playing Mark Jones and it was the exact same movie and Mark Jones was a struggling actor but it wasn't Nick Cage hmm. and you know, they don't get meta about it. This is like an eight for plot slash story. Cause it's a very simple, like, you know, kidnapping friendship, blah, blah, blah. Like it, it's, but the, the whole added dynamic of Nick Cage playing Nick Cage and then being meta about it, not just the whole, the story as a whole, but also like the character driven aspect. Cause they even said when they're writing this movie, the it's character driven, like it makes it more realistic with the Nick Cage quote unquote character, because I'm sure a lot of the stuff was actually drawn from reality. And it's just like the way they did it. It was such a thin line where, like I said, if it was Nick Cage playing a fictionalized person and it wasn't Nick Cage being Nick Cage, like it just wouldn't have been the same. And it would have gotten a lower score for plot slash story because yeah, on the surface, it's just a kidnapping movie, whatever, but like the, the meta ness and that's going to fly over a lot of people's head. And that's fine. Cause they're still going to enjoy the simple, you know, kind of, thing we've seen before but like when you really think it's a movie i've said it before with other movies like i like movies that make you think and this was a movie that made you think in a in a funny and weird way and like it was great for that i liked it i think if you list off all the events that happen and basically give me like bullet points on the plot without any of the dialogue it's an eight yeah (laughs) but if you when you actually watch it and see how those play out and see the dialogue and see how meta it is and how they're talking about the story that's what jumps it up so much. Like the events of this film happen in any other film and it's not that good. 
Yeah. The events of this film happen in this film with them being very on the nose and, and <laughs> knowing what they want to happen. Fantastic. Yeah. It works so well. Yeah, it did. Fucking loved every second of it. It was it was unique, and that definitely gives it points. Um, visuals, cinem- cinematography tie. We saw this at Civic Plaza. Didn't have any screen meltdowns. We saw this together. First time we've seen a movie together. Question mark. Quite some time. Yo. Screen look hazy to you? Because it felt very hazy to me throughout. I think that's just your astigmatism. No. No, I think it was like whitewashed. I didn't. Like they needed to clean the lens. It didn't. I, I, I was surprised you didn't bring it up because it felt like a shittier movie going experience than what was supposed to happen. I didn't know. The color balancing wasn't right on the projector. Maybe that was the movie. No. See, that's the thing is I don't want to take away points from the movie because I'm pretty sure it's just our shitty theater. Well, we're seeing Doctor Strange in our shitty theater. So. Yeah, not, not ideal. We just ditch all our friends and you and I go see it in IMAX. Let's we'll drop them off, then drive down the hill. <laughs> um, I think we have a lot of people going. I think Miko's going. He's sitting a row in front of us. He is, yeah, right in front of us. Look, so this film, I, I didn't even notice the the whatever you said, and you said you don't want to hold it against it. So obviously, I didn't because I didn't see it. That being said, this movie's not a very visually stunning movie. It's not like the soundtrack isn't amazing. This. Some of like the the panor not panoramic but like the scenic shots of the the countryside or whatever like that's fine. I gave it a, a fourteen. I feel like that might be a little bit too high, but I gave it a fourteen. I, I agree that I think it's probably too high because I also gave it a fourteen and feel like I may be giving <laughs> it too much credit. I like the way they structure some of the shots with like uh, one in particular when Javi is about to kill. Nick Cage and Nick mm-hmm. Cage is about to help kill Javi and like they're walking towards each other and it's very much like symmetrical and mm-hmm. and the way they structured some of that. I like the weird shots of the de-aged Nick Cage. It didn't that look actually, great. Really? I didn't think it looked bad. It looked, Obviously it looked fake, but I thought it looked real enough. Didn't take me out of it. Yeah. It was, on one hand, like it looked weird, but I don't know if like if that's what they're going for because mm-hmm. it was like this weird fucking superstar version of him. What looked weird about it? The facial structure, but like I, I think don't. It's just young Nick Cage. Yeah, that's why I'm like I don't. I don't know. I think it's just what young Nick Cage looks like. Ty, people's faces change. I like that aspect of it though, where he's just talking to himself. Yeah, and he fucking kisses fuck. himself. Yeah, I fucking loved. I we were in the theater and you didn't understand that they switched actors at the end. I was laughing for like thirty <laughs> seconds straight when it switched to Demi Moore and she throws the knife and he stabs him. <laughs> Oh, Demi Moore's the one who threw the knife. Well, Demi Moore's the mom in that scene, and then the fake actor daughter throws the knife. And he catches it and stabs him. I didn't even real. I didn't realize it was a fake actor till they cut to them again. No, yeah, from that point, right before like the very like the last event of the actual movie, before you realize mm-hmm. it's a movie, is shown in the movie with the actors. Wait, so here's a question: We talk about Moon Knight being a mind fuck. Did everything in this movie actually happen to Nick Cage? Yes. Did Nick Cage and Javi remake this movie about their own journey, or was Nick Cage and Javi just filmmakers and they they thought about this movie? No, I think it actually happened. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. That's my take on it. Fair enough. No, they did say Demi Moore played me, so the mom said that. So Exactly. Um, no, I thought the young Nick Cage looked, you know, I knew we were going to bring it up. I thought he looked fine. Like, I thought it looked real enough. I didn't take me out of it. Obviously, you know it's fucking not real. Yeah. It's Nick Cage 40 years ago, or however, maybe not 40, 30 years ago. Um, but then you compare it to some of the other younger de-aging, like the de-aging from the Adam Project. Dog shit. And Dog shit it looks fucking like a 20 out of 20 compared to that. So... <laughs> Um, no, but it's just not a movie that's necessarily visually stunning. It's not a movie that's necessarily visually bad either. It's just yeah. kind of is what it is, I guess. 
I like I like the fact that they like when the one guy when they hit the brakes and the guy slams on his head on the car and then falls on the trunk. They show a camera shot of the knife falling out of his pocket, which is used like twenty minutes later in the movie. Appreciate that. Yeah, used like thirty minutes, maybe not thirty, but yeah, it's a significant amount of time later. Yeah, for sure. Um, key elements tie. Oh, I'm bound. I'm stuck between two numbers. I feel like this this category always produces really high scores, but I That's say the it nature every of the category. Time. This is the bonus points for it's whatever boom kind or of bust. movie is. It's boomer bust. Yeah. I gave it a 19. I thought, I thought me giving it an 18 was high, but I was stuck I between 18 it. and 19. Look, they obviously had a mission, and I, I did some research on this movie. I think I said it last week that the guy who wrote this like has approached Nick Cage about it like multiple times or whatever, and like they had it wasn't like a movie where they stumbled into Nick Cage playing Nick Cage. Like this was a very intentional like kind of meta thing about nick cage and, and filmmaking and nick cage's desire because i'm sure nick cage probably is the artsy guy who whose favorite movie i wouldn't be surprised if that german movie he mentions in this movie is actually his favorite movie yeah or maybe he's not this artsy guy and they were just playing on that that perception that people think he is now i got a, I got a feeling he is though <laughs> <laughs> um but no just the meta-ness of it and the the nick cage of it all and like it was just exactly i feel like the kind of movie it was funny um the action like it's not really trying to be it says comedy action the action wasn't like amazing but like the the way it was meta i don't know i just can't get over how meta this film was yeah it's just it's very unique and when you have something so unique with such a clear vision of what it's trying to be you're gonna get love in this category yeah because like that's it's so unique and out of this you know common lane of of what we see in movies but in the common lane at the same time it's, it's so fucking it's in the common lane, but also like kind of making fun of the common lane. But while being in the common lane, it's like its own lane in the common lane, making fun of itself in its own lane. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's very funny. Um, I enjoy Pedro Pascal a significant amount. Well, don't get ahead of yourself with characters. And he cracked me up throughout for the comedy key element. Um, Nick Cage. Very funny. I fucking loved when it was like. This is a grotesque like model of myself. I'll pay you $20,000 for it. <laughs> it's just fantastic. Um, I will say the part that I didn't like that much was the CIA, mm-hmm. Tiffany Haddish, and Ike Browich or whatever his name is. He has like three lines in this movie. Yeah. He got paid, though. And like it feels very unnecessary, and like I don't like that part of it. With that being said, they kind of added it last second in their script. <laughs> so like maybe exactly maybe that's the, the reason is it was supposed to be a super thin action plot with them in it exactly because that wasn't the point of the movie um nick cage said himself this uh fictionalized version of him bears little resemblance to his real off-screen personality yeah i'm sure that's what you would say if you were a fucking movie snob who had no connection with your daughter <laughs> Cage originally turned down the role three or four times, but changed his mind after writer-director Tom Gormacon wrote him a personal letter. So there you go. That's all you got to do? <laughs> I read his script and figure out what his fucking address is. Oh, Dear Nick. <laughs> this is a Hollywood reporter. Um, Nicholas Cage on playing Nicholas Cage. Quote, I wanted no part of it, he said. He turned it down three or four times. Um, I'm trying to see more quotes. 
I want to know part of it, but when I got Tom's letter, then I thought, okay, he's not just trying to mock so-called Nick Cage. There's a real interest in some of the earlier work. His tone was more of a celebration of some of the actor's iconic on-screen moments. That was added. This is all quotes. Like being at the bottom of the pool and leaving Las Vegas or using the gold guns in Face Off. Well, really, really put the hook in me was a sequence that is no longer in the movie. It was a sequence where the Nick Cage character, I like how he refers to himself as the Nick Cage character, <laughs> goes into a series of vignettes that are all stylized in the German expressionism of the Cabot of Dr. Caligari, the German movie he likes. So there was a sequence in black and white that was a gone in 60 seconds race in a Mustang. There was a leaving Las Vegas character in a hotel room. It was fun to make and cool to look at. Ultimately, the studio decided it was too far out for audiences. Nah, I should have included it. You should have just fully committed. That's how you would have got a 20 out of me. <laughs> I'm very confused on this cast list because it says the actress Lily Mo Sheen played Addie Cage played Lily Sheen. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm assuming this is his real life daughter. No, it's not. It's not. I looked it up. It's uh, she's has different famous parents, but it's not Nick Cage. I'm so confused why it says as this person, as this person. I've never seen that before in IMDb. I don't know. Um, Nick Cage about the character. This is a good segue to characters. Quote, not very close, and it's hard to put family life aside. That is the biggest departure in Tom's movie. I always put my family first, and I've turned down some enormous opportunities as a result of that. When I was in a divorce situation in 2001 from Patricia Arquette, I wouldn't leave my son Weston to be in New Zealand for three years shooting The Lord of the Rings or The Matrix. My choice was always to stay in L.A. and be with my son. Tom's argument, which was a good one, was, well, this is a movie. We're telling a story, and the idea is that the character are evolving. And I get that, but I have to go on record that this is a pretty big difference. A version of Nick Cage that doesn't want to spend time with his kid doesn't exist. I also said to Tom, quote, I don't use that much profanity. He's got me saying the F-bomb every other sentence. Where is this coming from? That's not me. He said, quote, neurotic Nick Cage is the best Nick Cage. I have a, I have a lot of quiet moments at home with my cat reading. Do we want to show any of that? No, because it's not fun. That's fair. Do you believe that? Do you believe Nick Cage really isn't this version of Nick Cage? So I will say there's a line where, like, he said he got a lot of grief for just working because, like, actors work and that's my job and, like, no one else gets shit for just working. Mm -hmm. um, in real life, I believe he, like, just took every single possible role that was offered to him there for a while because his mom had, like, cancer or something. And he did it just as, like, a fuck it, I need a paycheck to cover medical bills. Mm -hmm. So I do think he's probably a family guy. Bro. What's up? Do you know Nick Cage's real name isn't Nick Cage? It's Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Nicholas Kim Coppola. Cop. Whose brother, wait, was born Nicholas Coppola and the son of comparator litter August Coppola. He's part of the Coppola family. Are we going to get back into another Italian family tree? Is this going to be the Sopranos episode all <laughs> oh, over again? fuck. Francis Ford Coppola. That's the, uh, that's the, the director guy. Yeah. Did the Godfather. That's his, um, it looks like that's his uncle. Compa yeah, that's his uncle. Francis Coppola is Nick Cage's uncle. What the fuck? That's wild. You know what's fucking hilarious? Is that his kids' names are Weston Coppola Cage. They still got the cage. They legally took their dad's scream name. That's fucking <laughs> awesome. Oh, fucking Nick Cage, man. What do you think Francis Ford Coppola's opinion is on the National Treasure franchise? Isn't Francis Coppola dead? Does it matter? No, he's not dead. Um, I think he enjoys him. 
because it's his nephew and he supports everything his nephew does. Think so? That's like a fun trivia fact. It's a great trivia fact. Riley just got home, so you might hear that in the background. That's crazy. Um, characters, Ty. You mentioned Pedro Pascal. We talked about Nicolas Cage's, uh, how real this character was to real Nick Cage. What would you give character category? So I spoke of um, Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz being in this movie. Didn't like them very much, so I decided each of them take away one point. One point each? One point each. Wow. Okay. Bringing me to a final score of 18. Holy shit, Ty. <laughs> 18? They're so much fun. 18. Yeah. 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 And it would have been a 20 if Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish were in this. Pedro Pascal's performance is fantastic, and I fucking love Pedro Pascal. The villain dude, kind of intimidating. Seemed like a weirdo, but very one-off. No depth. Nick Cage is just playing Nick Cage, and it's fucking incredible. Look, you know how I feel about the characters category. Me and you differ very much. I love both the characters in this film, and it's a character-driven movie, if you forgot. That's like, but we're talking about performances. That's like Oscar performances. I don't think it's up there. I gave it a 15, which in my, for my character scale is pretty damn high. Um, Nick Cage was really good in this, playing a fictionalized version of Nick Cage. Pedro Pascal, not as big of a fan of him as you, but um, he's very good in this, and he's pretty much good in everything. I'm not, not a fan of him. He's the only good part of the second Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, that is true. Um, no, I think their chemistry and just the way they're kind of, having fun on set and having fun with the movie and the meta and everything like that bleeds through the screen. I thought they both did a fantastic job. Um, and I thought the the family characters supporting characters were fine. Like you said, the CIA agents were kind of didn't really need to be there and kind of take away from it a little bit. But at the end of the day, like I thought the, the character, just the meta-ness of the character and everything, you know, I liked it. I liked these characters. I liked the actors and that's what happens when you get talented actors together. Yeah. I'm not an Oscar snob doesn't have to be an oscar performance for me to consider a great performance nicholas cage and pedro pascal are fucking fantastic in this character driven movie okay i that's that's, that's all there I, is you to don't it. have to explain yourself ty you gave it an 18 which is pretty high i gave it a 15 which is fair it's only three point difference enjoyment ty is this a 20 it's not a 20 is it on old scale it would have been a 20 oh yeah a million percent like every movie is a fucking 20. Look, movies. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I'll go first. Um, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. And that's saying something because I thought I was going to enjoy it to begin with. I'm looking at some of my other enjoyment sco- scores. And in comparison, which is why it's a great thing to have a sheet that tracks all my scores, I'm going to bump it up a point. It's in between for me. If I can give it a half point, I would. But I can't, so I'm going to round up because I love Nick Cage. To a 17 out of 20 for enjoyment. I was at a 17. I, I bumped it up. Just okay, talking so about it. I'm at it an 18. Up. We both bumped it up. We both bumped it up. I'm at an 18. This movie is just so much fun. I love the way it's structured. A million percent will be rewatching. Yeah, it's very rewatchable. Just aggressively. Can pit, can put it on at any point. Pacing's great. And it's funny. And great character performances. <laughs> No, yeah, I was just looking at some of my other scores. Like, Turning Red, I gave a 16. I like this a little bit more. And it, it's just a fun, enjoyable watch. Like, it's, it's funny. It's a, it doesn't fire a bunch of shots, and, like, you're like, what the hell? It's it's almost like all the shots they do fire land. Yeah. Like, they shot pretty high. Like, it's not a movie that's overbearing you with comedy, but the comedy they do have, and, like, the meta comedy, too, it's like, it hits. It fucking hits. It's written really well. Um, 
and like you said, it's just easy to watch. The action, you know, at the end, it's good enough, you know, to get the action snobs that want to see it and everything. Didn't even have to be there, but it was fine. Like, it's an enjoyable movie. And it was, like I said, better than I thought it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be good. So, yeah. I feel like if you're in, in, like, if you're the audience this was made for, you fucking love this movie. Yeah. Like, if you're a Nick Cage fan and you like all of his stuff, mm-hmm. this movie, you're going to have a fucking blast and love every second of it. Even if you're not, though. Still pretty good. The meta commentary on it all. I have a piece of ice in my mouth. Just <laughs> great radio talking with your fucking food um, in your mouth. The meta commentary of it all just fell out of my mouth. Like, I've, that can make it enjoyable. And I think that's why the critics give it a higher score as well. Because like we said, like I said, this could be the same movie. But Nick, play just, Nick Cage is playing Mike Brown. And it's, they could even be writing a movie. But they're just not meta about it. Mm. Same joke, same everything. Maybe not. Maybe, he could even be a Nick Cage super fan. But that would that would kind of be meta though, because it'd be like Nick Cage playing someone who's not. That wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> the critics wouldn't have given a high score though. We probably still would have given a decent score, not as high. Like we said, plot story wouldn't have been as high, but it's still the the comedy would have still landed everything. Nick Cage performance, he's great. But then you add that little meta aspect of it and everything, and that's what helps. I think the critics even enjoy it as well, and that's what gave him eighty eight percent on Tomatoes. Ty. Yeah, I, you don't earn that by being a bad movie. And the audience score is way the fuck up there, too. What, 87? Yeah. That's fantastic. Lower than the critics. It's fantastic. That's for the people who just hate Nick Cage who just decided to go watch this movie and were unaware that they were going to get full Nick Cage. <laughs> What's your final score, Ty? I know it's quite a few points. Not quite a few, but I know it's a few points higher than mine. Final score is an 85 out of 100. Jeez. It's a fucking fun movie, man. I really enjoy it. I told you prior to this, I was almost... I, I was possibly more excited for this than dr strange and i enjoyed every second of it it didn't let me down dr strange i would hope gets a higher score though i would hope so who knows 85 is not a bad score though i can see dr strange getting an 85 well i gave it an 81 okay for a consensus score of 83 out of 100 tie making it 40th on our list putting it in the neighborhood of really we it's it got an 83 and it's 40th? Yeah. Out of 131, moon, 131 movies. Uncut Gems. Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, Tied with Uncut Gems. Half a point behind Judas and the Black Messiah. We gave identical scores for Uncut Gems. Yeah, we did. I gave an 85, 81. You gave an 81. Uh, Unbearable Way to Master Talent. Eternals. Great film. Mm. Birds of Prey. Her. In the Heights. Pulp Fiction. And Shrek Two, fuck Shrek Two. Um, it's above the line. It's a solid movie. It's I, I highly recommend it. This is a movie I'm going to recommend to my parents. I always say that, but this definitely is one that I think they will enjoy. They don't have to understand the meta part of it to enjoy it. That's what's so great about it. Um, now there is someone who has reviewed this movie. Ty, oh that piece of shit gave it a rotten. Didn't we it? haven't mentioned him in a while. This now, part of me thought sucker. he would have given it a fresh because he would have liked the meta jokes about Hollywood blockbusters and everything. No. Mm-mm. On the same day, he gave Father Stew, that horrible-looking Mark Wahlberg movie that has a 44%. He that, gave that a fresh. That movie, more than any movie in the fucking history of time, looks... Tells the whole story in the trailer? I Maybe, sure, but it just looks entirely like a Tropic Thunder fake trailer movie. It does. A million, but like I'm so I I feel like they could have taken scenes and you could plug them into like the fake trailers, like Mark Wahlberg playing Father Stew. Yeah, a hundred percent plays in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, it does. Um, he gave it a rotten. Hmm. 
um, his article on nationalreview.com. I don't know why I'm giving him some pub right now, but Nicolas Cage's <laughs> send up of his trash movies is dot 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 trash. Fuck this guy. Some movies are said to be happy accidents. Casablanca is the most famous example. But the new action-adventure farce, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, is a freak accident. Director Tom Gormacon convinced actor Nicolas Cage to satirize, 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 whatever, his own quote-unquote legend in a highly self-conscious parody of all the lousy movies that litter a workaholic actor's resume. The freaky part is that Gormacon's exploitation of Cage, as crude, insulting, and unsavvy as it is, demonstrates good intention. That Cage is in on the joke of playing himself. As a self-obsessed actor so desperate to work, he'll do almost any dangerous, humiliating thing. Doesn't negate the fact that this idea of a movie, of a movie fun, doesn't negate the fact that this idea of movie fun ultimately demeans all of us. No, it doesn't. It's a blast, and I love every second of it, and you should go shut the fuck up. That's what he should do. The film's good time. I skip some paragraphs. The film's good time. Freak accident plot. Cage accepts an offer from billionaire Spanish superfan Javi Gutierrez, whom the CIA suspects is a drug kingpin. Further ensnares audiences in Hollywood's regime. It encourages the millennium's moral distractions. For any thinking person, this apolitical metaverse movie really isn't apolitical at all. What? You know he had to get metaverse in there because like Mark Wahlberg and everything. Mark Wahlberg? What is, what is Not Mark Wahlberg. Sorry, I'm stuck on thinking of Mark Wahlberg. Uh, fucking <laughs> Facebook guy. Because uh, the metaverse, that's like a popular thing right now. And I'm, I think he probably hates the metaverse, I would assume. Just the word metaverse doesn't fit here, and I, I don't... Do you know what the metaverse is? Yeah, it's like the VR and everything. Is it? Yeah. I don't, I don't know It's the Facebook is. guy. What the... Zuckerberg. No, I know it's like Zuckerberg. Or like, I, don't, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure like people like him don't like it because it's like controlling. I don't know. You know how fucking is it VR? Is. He doesn't his, like anything. Well, because his new like Facebook is now like uh, the company name's Meta, isn't it? Facebook is still called Facebook. It's Meta owned is by Meta. Company. Just like Google's parent company is Alphabet. But it's still Google. You Google know has a parent company? Well, it's not a parent company. Google owns Google. But the, the quote-unquote company name is Alphabet. So Facebook owns Facebook, but it's no longer Facebook. It's Meta. What the? Alphabet is Google. It's just a different name. They give the corporate name or whatever. I This is the biggest company in the world, and I never knew this. <laughs> I'm blown away. Just one week ago, Alphabet reports weak earnings and revenue on big YouTube miss. Yeah. Who are you, Alphabet? It's Google. <laughs> it's just because when a company like Google has other properties, like YouTube, like all this other stuff, it wants to change its name. That way, like, Google isn't the parent company because people know it from the Google search bar. Like, it wants a different name, even though it still is Google, just like Facebook owns Instagram, and they're also launching the metaverse. That's why they wanted to call themselves Meta, even though it's still still Facebook, by and large. It's just a different name. But they keep the social media platform the same name. That way it doesn't confuse consumers and all that. I just thought Google was just like, yeah, we own this. Like, why not just be like, yeah, we're Google and we own this. I, yeah, I don't know. That's wild to me. You know what their uh, URL for alphabet.com is? Alphabet.com? What? No, it's abc.xyz. <laughs> That's pretty uh, pretty meta. Um, Do you want more unbearable weight of massive talent from Armin White or no? I don't. It just makes me sad and he's a terrible human being and I don't like anyone 
talking shit about Nicolas Cage and um, especially not Pedro Pascal because the man is a saint. Okay, fair enough. I will say um, our movie that we're reviewing next week that I am not looking forward to because it just kind of looks boring. I, I don't really like Viking movies and like movies like that. Mm-hmm. The Northman. Yeah. Riley's excited, so she's going to be excited we're doing this for the pod. So I'm like it. 60% Scandinavian. Really? So I'm excited for it, yeah. Significant amount of Scandinavian. No one would guess it by looking at me. I'm mostly Scandinavian. I'm mostly Viking. And I'm five foot six and brown. <laughs> and brown. <laughs> Scandinavian people are like Brock Lesnar. Yeah. You and Brock Lesnar could have white, the same, blonde motherfuckers. The and... same amount of Scandinavian in you. And you two couldn't be more opposite from <laughs> yeah. each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Anyways, our movie next week, The Northman, uh, he gave a fresh. I won't read his review or anything. I'll save that for next week. But he gave it a fresh. Okay. It's got an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's supposed to be a good movie. So I'm shocked he gave it a fresh. What's the uh, 89 critics? What's the audience thinking of Northman? Who's 66. Not incredible, but not bad. It looks very violent. I think this is going to be like aggressively rated R violence mm-hmm. pillaging. Yeah. A whole nine yards. Nudity? Probably. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. Should we play a game? How many boobs we see? Strong, bloody violence. Only some sexual content, but then it's just a hard nudity. So I think it's just like walking around like not fucking, but you're seeing the parts that do the fucking. Movies like this always got to pull nudity out of their back pocket. Yeah, Game of Makes Thrones. raw. Game of Thrones was real heavy on the Never nudity. Never seen a single... I haven't seen two minutes of Game of Thrones. Watched like the first four seasons. I just stopped watching. Like I think when everyone was most excited about it, that's when I just kind of like got bored and stopped watching. Yeah, I remember. I thought you binged it after it was done or something. You were telling me how much yeah. you and Victoria were watching it, and then what happened? It wasn't after it was done. It was oh. like before the last season. I just, yeah, I remember you were like, oh, "I'm binging it that way. I could watch the final season and yeah, be I just, part of the I never. I, it was just so much content because they're like an hour plus per episode. They had like eight fucking seasons of it, and I just kind of got Completely bored. Completely forgot that yeah. you. Un- I'm glad I got bored. Binged Game of Thrones because I would have been I would have been really upset about the ending. Spent sure. all that time. Yeah. Um. So the Northman next week and then a week after that, potential movie of the year candidate, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. There's a new uh, trailer. Did you see it? Or it's oh. like a, a commercial spot. They say Illuminati. Oh. It's uh, what's his name? The guy from Thor who sees everything. Um, have uh, fucking not Hagrid. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's Idris Elba. Idris Elba, he says, Heimdall. Heimdall says, Doctor Strange, the Illuminati will see you now, or something like that. They said it. It's pretty fucking. I mean, they did show them in the trailer, but they said it. We'll talk about theories on who's who's going to be in that next week. I'm very excited. Uh, next week's going to be a real big week for Ethan Hawke, though, because we have the Moon Knight series finale, and he is in the Northmen. Hmm. So, Ethan Hawke episode next week. Random Rotten Tomatoes movie score tie. I really couldn't think of a movie. I was thinking of the Spanish setting. Okay. And that made me think of one movie. I don't even know if this movie takes place in Spain. Maybe number two takes place in Spain. It might. I think it, actually it's based on the name. I think it takes place in Italy. Okay. Greek. Takes place in Greece. Greek islands. That is the film Mamma Mia. I thought when you said Greek and paused, I thought the movie's name was Greek and you thought it took place in Italy and Spain. No, no. <laughs> Took place on the Greek Isles. Mamma Mia. Here we go again. My, 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 my. That's, is that the sequel? Let's. No. Well, Mamma Mia, here we go again is the sequel. Yeah. I was yeah. singing the you words. You said to Mama it. Mia. You said Mamma Mia. Here we go. Mamma Mia number one, 2008. 
So before, here we go again. Yes. It was just here we go. <laughs> yes, no again. Just here we go. Okay. Um, oh, you ever got, seen Mamma Mia? Bits and pieces I've never sat down and actually suffered through all of it. Never seen it. Um, I think it has good, good like public reception. I will tell you there is 185 critic reviews. Hmm. Not it, that you could do any math with that, but it earned a second. Mm-hmm. That's always a big, big because like if you about a like, decade later though, was it? When did Mamma Mia come out? Two thousand eight. When did Mamma Mia? Here we go again. Come out. Um, two thousand nineteen. No, no, that's that's just a lie. Two thousand eighteen. Really? Ten years. Yeah. No Mamma Mia content in between there. No. <laughs> Not that I know of. <laughs> no, like spinoff Mamma Mia. I don't know. I can't confirm that. <laughs> Interesting. Do not know if there was any spinoffs to the Mamma Mia franchise. <laughs> okay. We're going to rock a... S- this. I'm trying to gauge your reaction. <laughs> I'm not even on the page. I don't want to look at it. 43%. Mamma Mia, 55%. Fuck. 66 audience score. I feel like I don't think I've ever once guessed like a double, like a 22, 33, 44, 55 yeah, I just don't think it's a human instinct to kind of do that. It's kind of like... It just feels like too round of a number for a random number. Mamma Mia, here we go again. 79%. Really? Yeah. They improved. What are the audience scores looking like on those? Uh, Exact same score, 66. On both? Yeah. Not bad. Kind of like two-third Audiences clip. enjoyed it exactly the same, both yeah. movies. Critics liked it much more for some reason. It was the exact same people 10 years ago who liked it who enjoyed the sequel. <laughs> and the one-thirds of people were the angry husbands who were dragged to yeah. watch it that yeah. took the time to review it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there it is. Every other husband reviewed it, but every wife did give it a positive. That would be three-fourths. Nope. Maybe. Yeah, because there's four people. Nope. Nope, you're right. You're yeah, right. that's good math for you right there. I got you. <laughs> you're right. Nailed that. All I got for you, Northman next week. Northman, after that, Doctor Strange, Moon Knight finale. What's the next show after Moon Knight? Is it Miss Marvel? Oh, maybe, yeah. I think that or She-Hulk. I wonder when that comes up. July? Miss Marvel? Feels like a while. I feel like we're going to be waiting on that a while. It's going to suck when we don't have a TV I mean, show to talk about. we're fucking almost in May, Ty. <laughs> yeah, still a few months. It's June like, is next month. It's like eight episodes to. Um, next show is uh, Miss Marvel, June 8th. Ju- oh, that's not bad. You said July. June feels a lot closer. June 8th. And then She-Hulk has not been announced yet. So, I think it's after that, though, because it's in this list. It's after that. Hmm. Ten episodes for She-Hulk. Yeah, I think it's going to be more of like a season one, season two. I don't think it's going to be like a movie type thing. I feel like it's going to be like an actual TV show. Just get rid of fucking Professor Hulk. That's all I all I care about. Death? Like, just kill off the character or... No, re-separate him. Bring him back to being Hulk. I would rather... I'd rather them kill Mark Ruffalo's character and just have She-Hulk be like a more traditional Hulk than have Professor Hulk stay in the MCU. I, so my concern here is I'm pretty sure She-Hulk is like a permanent Professor Hulk type deal. That's a fucking issue. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she isn't like a Hulk smash. She's more like a, I'm a smart Hulk who's just, like, I'm just like a strong, independent woman who's also green and strong. I could be wrong, but I think that's, 
just from like the promo pictures and like the art of She Hulk, she doesn't look like a monster. She looks like she knows what she's doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you may not like that show. I think the next two shows may not get good reception. We'll see. But before that, we're gonna watch uh, some some of my ancestors murder people with the Murphy. Correct. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.